it's just like hard. Like every day is heavy and I feel like I'm thinking about it all the time, but I don't have a choice but to keep going. Hi, I'm Danielle and welcome back to Making Space. Not just a podcast, but a place for honest, open conversations about where people have been and who they're becoming. In some ways, it may seem odd that my last episode on cultivating a joyful life is followed by a conversation about grief, but over these past few weeks, I've been reminded that in life, joy and sorrow coexist. Yes, at times, one emotion may be more prominent than the other, but if we're being honest, there are still roses blooming amidst the thorns in our lives. Our emotions don't exist in silos, and I honestly think that it's part of the human experience to grow to recognize this phenomenon. In today's episode, I had a special conversation with my dear friend, Hannah. We met freshman year, shout out to our old small group leader, Kristen, and led our own small group together for the following two years. We quickly became inseparable, and I was blessed to have such an amazing friend walk beside me through the joy and sorrow I experienced while in college. Over time, I learned how incredibly resilient Hannah was, despite all that life threw her way. So when she called me last August with the tragic news about her brother, I was devastated. I'll leave it at that because we cover this and more in the conversation, but this episode requires a quick content warning that we'll be discussing death and murder, so please keep that in mind as you decide to listen. With that, let's get into the conversation. So what is something that you've learned or that you are currently learning that you wish your younger self would know? Well, something I didn't think I would need to learn so young, but I'm currently learning is kind of the process of grief and kind of how to navigate that um, with myself and my family. So yeah. Yeah. So do you want to talk about, yeah, how you got to this point? Sure. Yeah. I lost my brother in August of 2022. Um, He was killed in an unfortunate accident. It was with people his own age. They just were living a life they didn't understand or need to be living. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really sudden. Um, I talked to him like eight hours before it happened. So yeah, it was a lot, but we're trying to see the best in the situation and, you know, remember him and honor him where we can. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, when you called me and at that point he was brain dead or... Um, at the time I called you, he had been out of surgery and we didn't know if he was brain dead. Okay. But like now that we know more of the story, his spinal cord was severed like right away. And so wow. when the ambulance got there, he didn't have a pulse or anything. Um, and they revived him and then took him to surgery and put him on life support and all that. But it wasn't until later that night that they tested and he was brain dead. So he was gone that entire day, but we, you know, didn't know that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it was completely sudden, so unexpected because he was young. He was 18. Yeah, he was 18. He was like, he would have turned 19 in like 26 days or something. But yes, it was very sudden. Yeah. And I think even on top of that, like just navigating how he died. How how is that process for you? Like, how would you describe dealing with sudden grief and then having to go through that with your family? 
um, like being a part of a criminal investigation? Yeah, I first and foremost, like the most important to my journey, I think would be um, that I really don't have a lot of anger about it. And granted, it's only been seven months. So I mean, that could very well change. The process of grieving is so varied between every person and also even day to day for me. But I would say that it's truly like a gift from God. And I'm so grateful that I don't have a lot of anger. And I truly feel like that's because I like put it all out there with him. Like I always told him how I felt. And even when he was doing things like this, like, you know, not great choices, um, he knew how I felt about it. And, you know, I just felt very confident that he knows how much I loved him. And he, you know, we had good, honest conversations. So I didn't feel like I had any regrets necessarily with my relationship with him. So that is definitely the most important thing. And something I try to tell people too is like, I feel like that's the key to not having a lot of regret and anger is just like, mm-hmm. don't hold anything back with the people that you love while they're here. Yeah. But as far as the criminal trial goes, I mean, it was definitely a lot. It was new. I learned a lot of things that I didn't necessarily want to know about, you know, different definitions of murder versus capital murder or things like mm-hmm. that. But they actually found out who did it pretty quickly, I would say. I was kind of yeah. expecting it to take a long time. But, I mean, they had suspects within a week or two and people arrested by the third or fourth week. Since then, it, there hasn't really been much on that front, but we should be getting to, like, time for a trial shortly, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, you also had a unique position during this because like you're an older sister also a younger sister but an older sister to Caleb and then like kind of this peacemaker in your family Mm -hmm. and so did that come along with a feeling of pressure to feel a certain way or to like how to show up around your parents who are also dealing with this grief because it affects every single family member yeah it's kind of I would say yes and no it's kind of a complicated answer because I think that my history of being the peacemaker of the family has kind of conditioned me in a way to um, not be as emotional, be more like take care of business or reliable or things like that. Um, So I think I kind of was already, you know, destined to be that way with things because of being that person in my family. But I don't necessarily feel like during this situation, I had a lot of pressure to be that way from my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was super close with him. I don't want to say that my family wasn't close with him, but I was like really close with him. And so I know that my family kind of handled me with kid gloves a little bit in terms of just being nervous about me breaking down, which is valid. I also was concerned about that. Yeah. But it was kind of extra isolating, I feel like, to like not have honest conversations with my family about grief because they were worried about me like falling apart but once they felt more comfortable talking about how they were feeling and just being honest about how much it sucks and how unfair it is and everything like that it was easier to navigate with them yeah yeah I'm like remembering now you know you call me and tell me this horrible thing has happened like the worst thing anyone could ever think of or like imagine and I was just speechless it's like, what 
do you like what can you say and at that time we didn't know like what Mm -hmm. the outcome was going to be but we just knew that yeah he was in the hospital in a critical condition yeah and yeah that's definitely something I wanted to talk about is like what to say what not to say because that day the next day etc like I couldn't say oh it's going to be okay because I didn't know if it was going to be okay Mm -hmm. and if he did end up dying like I didn't know what to say after that and I didn't want to like say any false hope just to make you feel better or like share something related to more of a toxic mm-hmm. positivity mindset so I just remember we were just like sitting on the phone and not saying anything <laughs> for a long time yeah yeah and I will say this is not really an answer to your question but I was like so grateful for that phone call because it was um I was actually out of town I was in Illinois um, visiting family at the time and so I got the call and I was I wasn't alone when I got the call but like my cousin had to go to work and Mm. everyone was working and so I was just in this house that's not mine by myself yeah and you know I had booked a new flight and I was trying to get down there but this was like at 8 a.m. and my flight wasn't until three which then got postponed to five and then six and it was just a lot of like waiting around and hopeless feeling and not knowing yeah. what's going to happen. So I'm very grateful for that call. And I think that was kind of, I talked about it with my family and people who were there when I first got the call, but that was the first time like telling someone else about it. So I think you handled the call perfectly. I know it's like, even since then, I've known and have seen how hard it is to navigate for other people, which I totally understand. Like I wouldn't know what to say either necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a good rule of thumb to stay away from blind positivity just because it's – I know that the person dealing with it is feeling pretty hopeless and it seems like the first instinct to like want to make them feel better about the situation. Mm. But I'm almost glad that nobody did do that to me because I feel like it would have been even more painful when it didn't work yeah. out. Of like I've been telling myself for days that it would be fine and it wasn't. Yeah. And that's just kind of my opinion. I think in general, people dealing with grief, it's going to be so different person to person. So everything that I'm saying is my experience and yeah. my opinion on it. But I think honestly, just like sitting in how sucky it is was the most comforting thing. Like it was so hard because whenever I would tell people and they would say, I'm sorry. And then it kind of felt like the pressure was on me to mm not necessarily bring up the mood, but kind of respond to that when I already have enough pressure of everything else on top of me. So my go-to started becoming, I would be like, oh, I tell them and they'd say, oh, I'm sorry. And I'd say, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I am also sorry. It is not good. Yeah. So that kind of like helped the situation because the fact of the matter is I'm never going to experience someone not being sorry. And so I kind of just had to get used to that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think just being honest about it, like it sucks and it's not fair and yeah, it shouldn't happen to anyone, never mind an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, and I think what you just said is is even helpful just knowing that yeah, like staying honest in the sense that it doesn't invalidate how you're feeling because in the moment you're also feeling horrible. And so me being like, oh, but you know, X, Y, Z, like to raise your spirits. Yeah is not helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's kind of, it's funny looking back on it now, but it was actually a nightmare and it was happening was um, my, f- 
first, that very first day after I had finally gotten on the plane and I was like crying the whole way on the plane and I got to the airport and my dad had his friends um, come pick me up from the airport and these are friends he knows from the bar. So they're already kind of questionable, you know? (laughs) So I get there and I call them and I'm like, Hey, I'm here. And I'm at this gate and they come meet me on foot. I'm like, could you not? <laughs> like, I'm kind of dealing with a lot right now. But anyway, I didn't say any of that. I was like, I had the first time I met these people and I'm obviously going through stuff. Right. So it is what it is. And so I was rolling my massive suitcase and have my backpack on my back down DFW airport. And it was a woman and her husband and she put her arm around me. So now I'm carrying her and my bag. <laughs> At first it was nice. She was kind of saying like she also lost her brother in an unexpected, sudden kind of way. So she knows what I'm going through. And she was like, but we don't know what's going to happen. And at this point, we pretty much knew that he was Mm -hmm. gone. And she was like, oh, well, you know, he might be okay. You never know what the night will bring or like just things like that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the heart to be like, "Mm, he's dead. Like, (laughs) it's not going to end up okay. So that was a very interesting, my first experience with like someone just instilling false positivity in me. I think like you telling me the story, you know, you arrive at the airport, this woman's speaking to you, she's leaning on you, et cetera, et cetera. It just reminded me of that idea of being the strong friend. And I feel like this is not the first time you've heard this. I feel like you get this a lot. Like you're so strong, you're mm-hmm. so strong. Because in reality, you have faced a lot of hard things in your life and you're still here. You know, you're still in your right mind, which is honestly <laughs> a, a blessing, a, a blessing, <laughs> a blessing to say the least, a miracle. And you only decide that someone is strong when they face a lot of hardship that they shouldn't have had to face in the first place. And like, how do you respond to that now when, you know, you're talking about the loss of your brother and like navigating things in your family? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say to that? Um, I would say for a long time, I honestly took it as like a compliment of, yeah, I, I know that a lot of stories I tell sometimes make people not super comfortable and just make me make them feel bad and like, oh, so surprised that I am the way that I am. And which I appreciate because, yeah, it sucked and like I worked really hard to get through it. But after I lost Caleb, it was almost like a slap in the face more than anything because I felt like my whole life I had been getting that. Like, you're so strong. You're so strong. Like, how could you be this way after everything? And then it was like, I appreciated it. And it kind of spoke to the work that I was putting in. But now it was a reminder of like how I just felt so, I don't know, just like it was unfair. And I was, I wasn't really mad at God at a lot of the whole journey. But one thing I was mad at is I was like, when is it enough? Like I've tried so hard to be strong and get through it and, you know, be positive through everything. And like it just kept coming. I felt like I haven't had a break for the last four or five years. Yeah. And so that was like kind of a source of anger for me where I was like, I don't want to be strong anymore. Like stop giving me things that I have to be strong for. Yeah. I've kind of come around to it since then because I still do feel like people saying I'm strong is a testament to the work that I've put in. Yeah. And I've started feeling that more the more time that passes. But it was definitely like something that I struggled with at first of this thing that people always said to me becoming something that like upset me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's such a good way of putting it or describing it. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I do still strive to do that. Like, I think 
Um, even now, I'm kind of at the grief process where it's just like hard. Like every day is heavy and I feel like I'm thinking about it all the time, but I don't have a choice but to keep going kind mm. of thing. And I was actually talking to my new young adult pastor recently about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't have another choice. And she was like, well, you do. Like you could just like lay in bed all day. Yeah. You could just not do anything. And that's kind of where I'm grateful for going through all these things that made me stronger, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. because I don't see that as an option. Like I'm going to get through it like I get through everything else. And I think that's really helped me in the process too. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like you don't have to show up every day and like keep working and like keep moving through the pain. Obviously it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take breaks. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if a day is really hard, that doesn't mean that you can't take the day off and just focus on like your mental health. Yeah. And I definitely have days like that too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So like, what has it looked like for you to put the work in? <sighs> that is a good question. <laughs> I've done a couple of different things. Um, at my church, there was a grief share group, which is kind of just a biblical yeah. look at grief and getting through it. But to be completely honest, I think I just went too soon. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of the falling apart that I was so sure I was going to do that I just was like trying to be proactive in every step. And so I did do yeah. it. And I do want to go back again because I do think it was valuable information, but it was just a lot to do when it was like that raw Mm -hmm. but I did try it you know and I will use that later in my grieving process too but aside from that I don't know I almost just tell myself like I've never been one to like lay down and take my situation and so it feels like dishonest to myself to do that now Mm -hmm. and kind of along those lines too is my brother was very for people who know me I'm you know a homebody and I don't like to do stuff very often and (laughs) um just being home is my comfort and so he was always very vocal about wanting me to get out and do stuff and meet people and things like that so it's almost like that almost helps me too thinking of what he would be telling me to do which I know is not lay in my room isolating myself yeah so that also helps and just talking about him as much as I can I really like I would talk about him Every day, if I could find people who I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but um, I do talk about him every chance I get. So, yeah, no, and I think I've heard this somewhere when you lose someone, eventually you do just want to talk about them, but nobody wants to ask because they're like, oh, this may be touchy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like trigger something in you and then you're upset. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's not like. No. And I think I try to like be vocal about that so people know because I understand it's such a hard situation to navigate for, you know, outside people not grieving. So I try to be vocal about wanting to talk about him. And I'll even say stuff like if something reminds me about him, like, oh, my brother loved that. Or I used to do that with my brother and just things like that. Or it's not even like people don't necessarily have to ask more questions, but just knowing that someone else knows another piece of him Mm -hmm. makes me feel better. Yeah, and keeping his memory alive, mm-hmm. just, like, sharing about him. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of started going into this about just how this loss impacted your relationship with God. And I mm-hmm. wanted to talk more about this because I think for me, you know, as an outsider's perspective, someone who has never lost someone immediately close to mm-hmm. me, 
but you being a close friend to me and like having known a lot of things about your brother and yeah, just seeing his life. I also have a younger brother, so a lot of things I could relate with. And I think it was just so heartbreaking because of some things you were saying, like Hannah's already been through so much. Like why did this have to happen to her? And it was so, yeah, it was so hard for me to wrap my head around like the idea of someone being here and then just being gone. And that's just like her. Yeah. Like loss is just so, it's just so unexplainable. And I think it is like probably one of the hardest things you can face because as humans like being confronted with our mortality and you know from a christian perspective you were never made to like die mm-hmm. originally that wasn't the design that we wouldn't continue to live and like that we would have to face this like, incredible sorrow so yeah i think i just had a lot of questions for god and i felt like i wasn't getting any answers yeah 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 i'll kind of it might not be super coherent but it, this is definitely kind of just my thoughts as yeah. I've gone through things, um, first and foremost, I was angry because specifically with Caleb, we've gone through a lot. Like a couple summers ago, we went through a whole process with legal trouble and him going to a mental hospital and rehab and things like that. Yeah. And it was really bad. Like up until now, that was probably the worst season of my life just because it was so stressful and it was also during COVID. So there was all of that mm-hmm. going on top of it. And I was just so angry because I was like, that was so awful. And it was four or five months of constant stress and anxiety. And, you know, it was awful on my mental health, on my physical health. It was just not yeah. good. And so I was just so angry. I was like, why did you put us through all of that just to lose him anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really juggling with that for the first couple of weeks. But then I kind of noticed how I didn't have regret. And my family very much so is kind of playing the what if game of what if we did this, maybe he wouldn't have died. Maybe if we did that, he wouldn't have died. And I didn't. And so I kind of started realizing that lack of regret I had was because I put everything on the table and told him everything when he was here. And I truly believe that if we didn't go through that summer a couple years ago, that I wouldn't feel that way. Because maybe I would say, what if we put him in a mental hospital? What if we put him in rehab? And those things could have helped. Um, But we did, and it didn't. So that kind of helps, too, with my overall experience with loss and just knowing that, like, it is not comfortable. It was not fun. But I do think that it was God instilling this sense of, comfort in me at this time Mm. which seems so crazy to think about because it was so hard but I really do think that that was a huge gift in the whole situation Mm -hmm. and even at that time I feel like angry is maybe a strong word it was more so just confused you just have a lot of questions when things like this happen and that was for sure my biggest one of unnecessary trauma and pain and all yeah. of things that come up with it. But I would say my one true moment of anger, for real anger at God, was um, it was the first Sunday I had gone to church after all of this, which oh, was yeah. maybe three weeks after it happened. I didn't wear any makeup because I knew I was going to be bawling, and I wore, like, sweats, which I don't dress, like, super nice, but I <laughs> dress better than that to church. 
And I was like, I just have to get there. And we got there. I got my little box of Kleenex from the back of the church because I knew I'd need it. <laughs> and immediately they started singing a song about how good God is and how he provides for us. And I was like, not me. Like, look at where I am and everything I've been through that's led me here. And I feel miserable. And like, this is going to sound dramatic and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. But like, what is there to live for if this person I love so much is gone and anything could be taken away from you in the blink of an eye. It was just like, I don't know. It just changes your mindset about everything. Yeah. And I was just so angry. I would say, honestly, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes. I was just so angry. But then I like, it kind of switched to being angry on my brother. Cause I was like, I've never been angry at God for everything I've gone through. I've been confused, maybe doubtful. Sure. Questioning all of those things, but never angry at God. And then I was angry at Caleb for making me angry at God. And that was kind of where that ended for me. But I mean, that's definitely gotten better with time too. But it was an interesting, it was an interesting hour of time where I was just like all over the place with my relationship with God. But I think as time has gone on, it's gotten better. I'm not really angry. And I just trust that everything happened the way it was supposed to. And another huge blessing that I try to hold on to also was organ donation. We got to donate a lot of Caleb's organs, including his heart, which was like a big one. You know, the movies and the books that are always like you meet the person that got the heart of your loved one and you like hear it and it's the same heart and it's really cool. And I am excited that we got to do that. But yeah, more than anything, it just feels good to have at least a little bit of a silver lining to hold on to of helping other people and even potentially helping the families of people who are sick, not experiencing what we experienced of losing a family member, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So that has also been a huge blessing that I'm so grateful to God for. And it really helps. It helps me on the hard days. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that even though he's not alive, he's helping so many other people have life. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just thank you for being honest about how you were feeling. I feel like a lot of times, especially with faith, it's like, oh, but you don't want to doubt. Oh, but you don't want to ask questions or you don't want to, you know, like wag your finger at God and be like, why me? But Mm -hmm. the reality is that we are human and like we experience all the human emotions. And so there's no point but like suppressing it and acting like you don't feel a certain way when you do. Cause I think the best thing is that he welcomes our questions and like our mm-hmm. anger. And although like, unfortunately we aren't promised a smooth life, we are promised that he'll be with us through it. Yeah. And I think that's something that helped me at least. For sure. And I would say like, I feel like any kind of wavering in faith, whether it's from grief or loss or, financial hardships, sickness, anything like that. It's so isolating. And I truly feel like the best thing you can do is be vocal and honest about it, especially with people you trust. But honestly, like right when it first happened, I would be telling anything to anybody. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't even care if I'm close to you. I'll tell you exactly why I'm angry at God. (laughs) But I really do think that if you're going through something that is making you question such like a a fundamental part of your identity it's best to talk about it so I definitely recommend that yeah 
So this is something that I wanted to ask you about looking back in hindsight, because since something I'd never navigated before, I wasn't sure like how much to bring to you mm-hmm. in the vein of, okay, how to be there for your friend. Give it all to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wanted to be there for you, right? Mm-hmm. And I never knew what to say, but I just wanted you to know that I was available and like I wanted to make sure I was checking in on you mm-hmm. for you to have the opportunity to just tell me how you felt. But I felt like me saying how I felt was not going to be productive because if anything, it wasn't positive. And, you know, going back to like, okay, I don't want to be toxically positive. If I don't have anything like remotely mm-hmm. good to say, then like, I'm just not going to say anything. Right. Yeah. Like, I said, I had just so many questions and like, I just didn't understand. And I know what helped me was knowing that, okay, but there are people that I could bring all those negative things to if it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be you. I remember that the day you called me, I called my mom afterwards and I was just like crying on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm just grateful for her for just being there because, you know, she's older and like she's experienced the loss of people close to her. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's something that helped me is like, okay. I don't know how to bring this to you, but I can bring this to other people so that at least when I'm talking to you, I can be fully present and like fully listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it wasn't my direct loss. And so I felt like me complaining to you was not productive. Mm-hmm. And eventually I actually talked to one of my friends, Janieri, about it. And she had a close friend who had lost her brother as well, mm-hmm. unexpectedly. And I think that helped me a lot with just like my questions and my questions towards God as well, because she was like for her, you know, wanting to be there for her friend. And then one day somebody asked her, well, how are you doing? And she like broke down. She didn't realize that trying to be there was also taking a toll on her because it is heavy. Like it's something very heavy. And you also you don't want to take that to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just curious. What you yeah. I would say it might just be me. I'm kind of. I don't want to say I'm a negative person because I try to have positivity in terms of like expecting good things and hoping for good things. Yeah. But I would say I'm a little negative in humor or in how I talk sometimes. So it might just be that part of me. But like I think I would have been prepared for any questions or even negative thoughts or feelings or anything like that. I think even from the beginning, the main thing that I had in mind was like, this is awful. This is bad. Yeah. Sucks. And so I think any form of kind of agreeing with that wouldn't have been extra burden for me. Then again, it could very well be the exact opposite for another person who's grieving. But I would say for me, it was definitely like, I would talk about it with anyone, any way. My family and I are very big jokers about like, um, even dark stuff. In moments like that, sometimes you need to laugh however it is. But I would say one of the only kind of pieces of connection that were hard for me to accept were whenever people would be like, oh, I'm so sorry you lost your brother. I lost my uncle's cousin last year or something like that, where it was like Mm -hmm. almost comparing, like trying to have that relation of experience but it not really being on the same level. Like that was kind of hard for me because then I was thinking about like, Oh, I wish I lost my, my uncle's cousin or something like that. And it kind of just brought 
me down further when I thought about how close of a relationship I was truly losing. But in general, I mean, um, I totally get like not wanting to burden the person grieving, but it can also be so isolating. Like even I have a sister and she's my older sister and she also lost a younger brother. And on paper, it sounds like we would have very similar experiences but I even felt isolated from her because our experiences were so different. Yeah. I feel like whenever you're in that place of severe isolation, any taste of connection with somebody is so accepted and appreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on the person and kind of where they're at. But I am glad that, you know, you're able to have conversations with people who have similar experiences and kind of get insight that way too especially that first week like he was actually on life support for a couple of days while we did the paperwork and made sure that his body was strong enough for organ donation and so that first week was I feel like we were just running a running on fumes but b just running around with our heads cut off doing all these errands that we were be doing so it was definitely a lot on my plate time wise but yeah, I would say anyone who's in a situation where they have a friend who lost someone, give them a little bit of time and kind of like you were saying, gauge how it seems like they're feeling whenever you ask them how they're doing. And if it seems like they're okay, I would honestly just ask them or even say like, I'm having some feelings and I'd love to talk about it if you are feeling up to it or you know, anything like that where you kind of ask for permission to um, tell them how you're really feeling and any questions you have, but at least let them have the opportunity to have those conversations. Yeah, that is such a good point. Like asking for permission and giving them the opportunity, not just deciding for them, like, oh, they won't like like this. Like, this won't go over well. Yeah, and I could see how it could be a lot of pressure for someone because you don't want them to say yes, even if they're not feeling up to that. But in my experience, they won't. They'll be honest. They'll say, I don't really have the bandwidth for that at the moment, or can I call you next week, or something like that, if they're truly feeling like they can't talk about it at that time. Yeah. But I do think it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And what you said about the conversations that don't go as well is when someone's like trying to have a point of relation to you mm-hmm. in this that is not the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like I've heard that as well. We feel like having a point of connection on like the experience level, like, oh, I've experienced something similar will help them or be comforting in some way. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it may not be actually if it's not the same experience. Yeah. And I would add that I think it depends on the closeness of the person. Like if you had said something like that, I'm extremely close to you. So it wouldn't have felt that way because I already was close to you. But yeah. I think it's more so like whenever it's someone who I maybe haven't talked to for a couple years or one of my parents' friends or something like that. And in those situations, if I'm not already feeling close to you and that's your attempt at getting closer yeah. with me, then it's like it doesn't work out super well. But yeah, I mean, I definitely understand that's like the first instinct is to comfort them and make them feel like they're not alone. But I think there are better ways to do that than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is what my friend Shanira shared with me based on her experience. She was like, it's important to still be there after the funeral. Cause I think she was saying it's easy for a lot of people to be there like 
when it happens and then like up until the funeral but then after that everyone's like okay well maybe unintentionally most likely mm -hmm. but they're just not as present anymore but the family is still left with this huge loss and grief. like it doesn't just go away after that yeah a hundred percent and i would say that's even like a more important time because um we had a celebration of life and it was three or four weeks after he had passed mm -hmm. and up until that time, I did not a lot of grieving, to be honest. I was planning and looking yeah. for venues and looking up food and different, like, there's just so many errands that you have to do when someone dies. Yeah. And after the funeral, I remember I was home and I was sitting watching some stupid Netflix movie on TV and I just, like, broke down, like, sobbing, mm -hmm. panic attack, because it was the first minute. It had been five weeks since he had passed, but it was the first minute that I didn't have anything else to do except mm. be sad. And so I think that's a really valuable time to be there for someone or at least like make sure that they know they're available if they want to talk about it. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I remember you talked to me about just like you kept yourself busy in one way or another mm -hmm. or like you had people visiting you or people staying with you. You were worried about like when that ended what yeah. was going to look like when you just had yeah time to sit with your thoughts that's so scary yeah definitely the scariest time <laughs> just like nothing else on that point you know you enter like this new normal and I think you've still like gone through transition since then because it's like how did you deal with your job and like friendships mm -hmm. and other things yeah one thing I think that People don't talk about enough. I feel like I've heard the seven stages of grief or whatever it is a million times. Mm -hmm. but you know what I don't hear anybody talk about is how physical grief is. Like I get being exhausted and like not wanting to do stuff. That stuff makes sense. But like I wasn't eating anything and that made me weaker. And lack of energy was also very prevalent. Lack of focus was like a huge one. Mm. I worked 100% remotely at the time, and it was rough. Like, I don't know that I did anything for a couple weeks. And just, like, shortness of breath, that might be more anxiety-related, but I had shortness of breath 100% of the time. And it was just, like, it's very physical, which I wasn't expecting at all. I've read that you can have hair loss from it. It's crazy, like, how physical it is, and nobody talks about that. So I think it's definitely something to, you know, keep in mind and be prepared for if you're ever dealing with something like this. But aside from that, I kind of mentioned that job. After a couple weeks, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, it was so on my brain of, like, life is obviously too short to be unnecessarily miserable in work. Yeah. I can't be miserable while I'm working and while well, I'm not working, so I got to do something. <laughs> and I actually started applying for jobs in the interview process. And it was hard because I was just like so checked out. But I just knew I couldn't do this anymore. And in retrospect, I probably could have just, you know, I was in a spot financially where I could have just taken a little bit of a break and figured out where I wanted to go from there. But luckily, I found like an amazing job. And it's perfect for me. And I love it so much. And it's hybrid. So I go in the office on days when I feel like I'm not going to have the motivation to do work or if I just need to be around other people and not just mm. at home with my dog. <laughs> um, so it's been a really great situation and yeah, they'll tell you 
in grief programs to not make any big decisions while you're grieving. And that is crap. You should make any decision that makes you feel better as long as it's not harmful to you or others. Just as an FYI. <laughs> but yeah, as far as a new normal, I think um, it's hard. And I don't know that I've even found a normal. I think I kind of go through phases of um, having really good weeks where I'm cooking every night and cleaning and hanging out with people and doing everything that I think I should be doing on my checkbox of a healthy life. And some days I am not like that. And I think yeah. that both are normal and okay to have. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And obviously I'm very glad you left your old job. Oh yeah. I remember you were like, I want to send my resignation now, but I have to wait. I have to look and I want, and yeah, at that point I wasn't in the mind space to think, oh, maybe you could just think about teaching. Yeah. I also was wanting to leave before this happened. Yeah. So I think that helps too. I didn't just like, I'm going to quit. Like <laughs> it also wasn't a healthy environment before I was grieving and that just pushed it over. Yeah. yeah it just compounded it. But then I think at the same time you were like, but I don't want to be spending like all day doing nothing. If I oh, yeah. to give myself a break, like that could be worse. For sure. For sure. So thankfully, yeah, it all worked out that you found a great new job. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of started on this, but is there anything else that you didn't expect from this process? Um, I was really expecting holidays to be really hard. And I will say Thanksgiving, well, his birthday was in September and we celebrated that um, before I even came home from the funeral. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of helped too, where I was still in like funeral mindset. I still had family around. So that wasn't as hard as I think it could have been. But Thanksgiving was like the first big holiday after that. And it was hard. And I didn't yeah. really want to do anything. Um, I ended up going to my sort of brother-in-law's family's house. And it yeah. was good to be around other people. And my sister and I just cried together. And we didn't care that anyone was watching or hearing or anything like that. So it was honestly pretty therapeutic. But after that holidays haven't been as challenging as I expected it's like the mundane things that hit me the hardest mm. like whenever there's a new trailer for a Marvel movie that he'll never see and like that was a huge thing that we always talked about and bonded over or yeah like we both really like different youtubers and YouTube and seeing something that he would have thought was so funny or some big internet drama that we would have talked about for hours just things like that that hit you the hardest and way harder than holidays, yeah. which was surprising to me. Something else that was, I don't know if it, I would say it was surprising, but it was definitely like something in my experience that I wasn't expecting was um, every month. I didn't like have it on my calendar or anything, but I just kind of knew it was the last Monday of the month. So around that time, every month I'd be like, oh, it's been three months. It's been four months. Mm. I wouldn't ruin my day necessarily, but I, it would just be heavy on me of like, oh, another month that he's been gone. Yeah. But the six month mark, I missed it. Like I didn't even think about it until a couple of days after it passed. And I felt like so guilty, which was surprising because I know logically that I shouldn't even be counting down anyway. Like that is probably not the healthiest way to go about it. But I just felt so guilty. Mm -hmm. Like, not remembering and so that was like a little hard for me but I came around eventually 
knowing that like this is good. It's better to not, you know, linger in all the pain and that's definitely what counting down the months was like. Yeah. Um, something else that was surprisingly hard was things that were new. So like the new year was really hard for me because mm. 2023 was a year that Caleb didn't know yeah. and he didn't see. And those moments of missing things that I could have experienced with him were surprisingly hard. Because um, there's missing the person. There's missing our conversations and stories that we had and inside jokes that we had. But there's also mourning the experiences we didn't have. And so that was one of those things. And also, he died the day after my birthday. Or technically, he died like eight minutes after my birthday was over. Um, so I found that I've had a lot of anxiety about turning 24 in yeah. August because he's known me as 23. That's the last thing he knew me as for a couple of hours. I haven't had a day, a full day as 23 with him. And so turning 24 is like a really scary thing for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but, um, especially just um, him not getting to see it. Yeah. So I think that's definitely something that I'll kind of have to learn how to navigate the closer we get and how I want to spend that day and just kind of how I want to go about it in the future too. Yeah. And I think originally when you had mentioned to me that you were just unsure about what you were going to do or if you were going to do anything for your birthday this year, at first I was like, oh, is it because the day that he died was so close to your birthday? But then it's like, mm -hmm. even beyond that, it's just the fact that you're going to be a different age. Yeah. And like, he never knew you at, as that age. Yes, for sure. And I will say my sister has been kind of talking to me about that and wanting to do something. And so we have decided that we will get a hotel room, get a bunch of snacks, and watch probably trashy reality TV because that's the best thing to watch when you're feeling bad because <laughs> they make you feel so much better <laughs> about your life choices. But <laughs> um, I think it'll be good celebrating it with the person who most closely understands my experience. Yeah. Originally, I just wanted to be alone. Honestly, now, still, my instinct is to want to be alone. But I don't think in the long run that would be the best thing for me. So I think we have a plan. As long as I can stick with it, the closer we get. So Yeah. You know, I like that plan if you decide to go with it. And I think even now, I remember when you were like, I think I'm going to move to Lubbock. I don't know why, but <laughs> that seems like the best next thing to do. And then maybe I'll move again after that. It was just like. I guess. But now I'm very glad that you are close to your sister. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And that's also, while we're talking about graces of God, my niece was born last June. Yeah. That's why I'm in Lubbock long term and long term, probably forever. <laughs> perfect, adorable niece lives there. But I honestly feels kind of dark and scary when I think about where I would be if she weren't around while I was going through this mm. because already grief and loss and death is so heavy. I don't know what I would have done without this beautiful, perfect example of life and vibrancy and mm. birth and just like seeing the promises that God makes that are good and honest and true in her have been yeah. fundamental in my whole experience and I don't know where I'd be without her. So. That's also something to put in the thank God I have it column yeah. going through this. 
Yeah, little baby Sloan. And she is the most beautiful little girl ever. You can't see her, but just trust me. You can imagine like the most pretty little baby that is so cute that you just want to eat her up, but you can't because she's a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can confirm that with an unbiased opinion that she is the most perfect baby alive. (laughs) (laughs) Completely unbiased. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess in addition to your needs, like what helps you now, like in the day to day? I I like a little journal that I'll sometimes write to Caleb if I'm ever experiencing something or there's internet drama or whatever where I'm like wishing I could call him and tell him. Yeah. I'll kind of write it down. I feel like that's a good release and that helps. Being with family, of course, is always helpful, um, especially since they stopped kind of being worried about me falling apart and we can have honest conversations about grief and yeah, having bad days. And sometimes I'll just call my dad crying and I'll be like, everything's okay, but like, I'm sad. And just yeah. knowing that is okay. You can just be sad. Yeah. Always in life, I try to think of the positive things and rely on that. And I think that's how I've gotten through a lot of things. But definitely in this experience, it's been a huge thing because like I just keep saying, it's so unfair and awful. And there's very little good about it that I need to exist on those things or else I don't know what I would do. So definitely just like being positive and counting my blessings Mm -hmm. every day and just taking the good days in stride because you don't know how you'll feel tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's even a miracle, like you were saying, how you don't really feel anger towards the people that mm-hmm. There's going to be a trial, and like that will all happen in the coming months, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're hoping that justice will be served in the way that it should be. But sure. yeah, I can't imagine the extra weight and, like, yeah, it's it's one thing to lose someone, but it's another thing to lose them at the hands of other people. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine the extra weight you'd be carrying if it wasn't just so much anger towards them, which is like totally natural and normal if that's what you feel because you know, sure, yeah, it's a horrible thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I think kind of what gets me through that, or why I feel that way about the people who did this to him, is because. One of them was 18 at the time and one of them was 17 at the time. And one of them was high school and one of them was working like Caleb was working. And there's just so many parallels between the experience of them and of Caleb that Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible for me to not imagine Caleb ending up on the other side of the gun, which could have happened. Like he's been in situations or he claims to me that he had been in situations like this that he could have been the one who did it. And if he had killed someone, I would want him to have punishment for that, but not yeah. necessarily for the rest of his life. Like they're just young, dumb kids who don't understand the consequences of the things that they're doing. Yeah. So I'm definitely trusting in the legal system, which is very scary to say, but in this instance, yeah, I'm trusting that whatever is supposed to happen happens. And I mean, I wish them 
the best in everything. And I hope that they do have consequences and a punishment. Yeah. But I hope that they're able to come out of that stronger and happier and, you know, live a fulfilling life after that. So that definitely is kind of my mindset when it comes to the trial and everything. We're just going to let what happens happen. And I just don't find a lot of value in being angry, to be honest. Like, what is it going to change except hurting me? Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's definitely like a supernatural thing to extend mercy in this way towards him. Mm-hmm. Like forgiveness. Definitely. I'm really grateful. Yeah, you don't have to carry anger along with everything. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you want Caleb to be remembered? Like, you started talking about orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how would you say you want to be remembered? Yeah, I mean, the organization definitely helps, like, having him be remembered as someone who was generous and kind because he was one thing I never want to do and some members of my family tend to do this where they kind of like paint him as an angel and Mm. and a lot more positive light than was maybe realistic but to me that's so disrespectful to his memory because let me tell you something (laughs) now Caleb okay he made bad choices obviously (laughs) he was kind of a jerk he was a little sleepy. <laughs> he didn't really respect authority. But he was also so funny and kind. And he cared about how I was doing. And he wanted the best for me. And for everybody that he was close to. And he was so smart. It was infuriating. Like There are a lot of positive and negative things about any person. And so yeah. I think for Caleb and anybody, I just hope that the people who know them the most paint an honest picture because that's who they are and preserving them as a person I think is the most important thing as opposed to preserving this idea of them that you had or you want to perpetrate but yeah he was a good kid and I watch a video of him laughing probably once a week at least because he had the most amazing laugh even if he was laughing at me I still (laughs) liked it (laughs) yeah he was just an awesome person. And I think that if anything could come out of this, I just hope that people who hear our story or knew him don't take any time with your loved ones for granted. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to be angry and annoyed at your family members, but it's definitely worth it to at least attempt to, you know, end every conversation positively and stay in touch as best as you can. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, like, in the moment, but when you zoom out and you, like, look over mm-hmm. the course of your life. Yeah, and that's a lot of pressure. Not to put any pressure on anyone, I think it's very unlikely <laughs> that the last time you talk to someone, or, like, every time you talk to someone is the last time. Yeah. Just because that happened, <laughs> just because it happened to me doesn't mean it's going <laughs> to happen to anyone else. <laughs> but all that to say, just be cognizant of you know, what could happen and knowing time is valuable and life is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I will definitely never forget about Caleb's tattoos because there are pictures that they're awful. (laughs) So so many. He would win an award for ugliest tattoos, I think. 
Like, is that a bird or is it a gun? We'll never know. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rough. That was so funny. Is there anything else you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to? Hmm. Kind of along the lines of appreciating people while they're here is one of the only minuscule things that I have any semblance of regret over, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it that, but a little bit is that the last time I talked to him, he called me on my birthday Mm -hmm. and we were waiting to go inside Texas Roadhouse. It was busy. (laughs) And so we were waiting and, you know, they texted us and said, oh, you can come inside and come to your table. And so I was talking to him and I was like, oh, um, we're going to the restaurant now. I'll talk to you later. And I did that thing where you like go to hang up and then they say something else, but you'd already pressed the button, you know? And Mm. he said, I love you. And I pressed it hang up button and I didn't say it back. And I don't like, I don't want to say I regret it because I know he knows that I loved him. Yeah. I would just say as a person who is not very touchy feely a lot of the time. And I probably ended phone calls with, I love you maybe a third of the time like Mm -hmm. not very often I do think that saying you love someone is very valuable I think it means a lot and I think it shouldn't be underestimated because I do wish I would have said it and I think that would have been a big difference to me yeah yeah I remember this is something you had told me Mm -hmm. early on and yeah obviously he knows how much you love and I told my grandma about it because I remember I told you, you were the first person I called after all of this happened. And I told you, and I remember you saying something along those lines, like he knows you loved him. And I knew that that was true. Yeah. But it just like was weighing on me. And I didn't tell anyone else because I felt like this weird guilt about it. Mm. But I told my grandma like the day after that and without skipping a beat, she was like, but what a great three last words to hear from him. Mm. and it like completely changed my outlook on the whole thing and I was like you're right like those are the last things he said to me and honestly it might have been the last thing he said to anyone in my family is that he loved me and like that was a complete game changer (laughs) it was a complete game changer um in my mindset of the situation but definitely just like tell your loved ones you love them like it costs nothing to you and it could mean everything one day so Hannah! <laughs> I know I've been pretty good this whole time. I was gonna say you have been pretty good. It got me cried out of my pocket. I get a little teary, but I'm really good at the tilt your head back and suck them back in. That's why you keep telling me. I'm like, how is she not in shambles right now? Oh yeah, I <laughs> back in every, maybe every day. I don't know. Maybe not that often, but I, I have a lot of practice in. The you got, I was gonna say you have experience. Um, <laughs> no, that's so beautiful. And what your grandma says that you cool. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad it was that and not something me. No, literally, because it could have been anything. He could have just hung up. Like, yeah, I think the last text he sent me before that was like asking my zip code because he needed to use my credit card to get gas. Like, so it definitely is better than something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. I usually end with the question of how things changed for you now that you've like had to process grief at such an early age. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you kind of answered it if you have something else to share. I mean, honestly, everything has yeah. changed. I think I'm still really struggling with the idea of like identity because I have my identity as a woman of God and knowing that that is a strong part of me. Mm. But like, I'm no longer an older sister and I'm no longer a middle child. And mm. I mean, it's always just been the three of my siblings and my parents. So like a small yeah. family, but now it's even smaller. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things about my identity that have shifted and I think I'm just going to have to go with it day by day and know that everything that's changed is permanent like there's no going back so it's Mm. there's no use in like trying to just embracing the new life that I'm living yeah and you know this is your present day but that doesn't erase your past like it doesn't mean you weren't an older sister you weren't Mm -hmm. about it that is also still in the picture of how you can describe definitely especially in a childhood and how relevant those things are to kind of how you grow up and your personality so yeah I'm holding on to those and also knowing that like it isn't going to necessarily be this way forever mm. the way that my life is completely different now it's probably gonna be completely different five years from now ten years from now yeah so just knowing that like everything has changed and it probably will continue to do so yeah and I like how you explained it as just like it's a daily thing mm-hmm. you being seven months out now it's not like all this happened in an instant. It's been like a daily thing. Yeah. Being honest with yourself and like others around you every day, feeling your feelings every day, but then also like mm-hmm. putting in the work every day. Yeah, definitely. I'm incredibly grateful that we got to share Caleb's story through this conversation and to Hannah for her vulnerability and courage. I hope this meets you where you are, whether you've experienced a loss of your own are supporting a grieving friend through loss or just curious about how to navigate grief through the myriad of ways it enters our lives. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Let me know via Instagram at the Making Space Podcast. You can also follow for more content. Please rate or review the podcast wherever you listen and share this with someone who would benefit from hearing our conversation. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you on the next episode of Making Space. Bye!